Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. My name is Lincoln Shrike, joined today by Gordon Mack, who is, I assume, somewhere in this great state of Pennsylvania. Gordon, how are you doing today? Doing good. I'm back in my hometown where I grew up, which is a big deal for me because my parents moved out of my hometown when I was like 22. So for like a decade, I never got to go home, like home home for Christmas or for Thanksgiving or any that time. But my parents bought a new house back in my hometown. So now I get to actually be on the streets of where I was raised. So it's nice. Wow. It's exciting. Wow. That yeah. is big news. When did they buy it? So I, this year? Yeah. So they moved in like a month ago. So when I, I got in last night and I got to tour the house for the first time, see what the basement looks like, the attic and all that stuff. So I was jealous. I was like, this would have been a good house to actually live in when I was a kid, but it's mm -hmm. okay. So it's, 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 it's cool to be, you know, back. There's something about just being in your town where you know where the streets are, you know, where the local Wawa joint or like the, the, the deli <laughs> down the street, you just, it just feels good. It's, it's comforting. It's like home cooking. You've only been living in Austin for what? You've only been living in Austin for seven years. It doesn't feel, yeah. it doesn't feel like you know where things are at this point. Well, I know in Austin is, but like, you know, it's just like you want memories. You come back, you're like, oh, I remember in high school, I used to go to that place or in middle yeah. school, I used to buy a pack of Cheetos from that 7-Eleven. You know, you just want to know. You just like that. Yeah. Anyway. Well, this time of year, obviously special for Christmas, but we're also getting up to another birthday for you. How are you feeling coming up on another, another year older? Oh, yeah. That is my birthday is December 30th. So big three, three. I found Ooh. out, I found out today or yesterday that my dad is 66. So this is the year that my dad had me. Cause if once you're half wow. the age of your dad, that's the year. And then it made me think, I'm like, whoa, my dad had me at my age. That's crazy. Cause I was child number three and you know, I don't have Dubai. any kids and I'm married. So you and Kevin <laughs> are already like off with the racehorses with all your kids you're popping out and i'm I'm still at zero but it made me think like wow my dad was like done with parenting at my age and i haven't mm -hmm. even thought about starting so it's crazy okay everybody has their has their own speed sometimes i would i'm definitely jealous of people like yourself with zero kids uh, a lot of freedom there so uh you know particularly at the <clears throat> the two o'clock and 5 a.m hours i'm very jealous of you well, you're very sound asleep. Um, so, you know, we all we all do it in, in our own time. Uh, okay, so on today's episode, <clears throat> we're going to try to pick the best NCAA athletes of 2020, which is a little bit of a tough exercise considering there was no indoor championships, obviously no outdoor championships, or a cross-country season. We did have a few performances. Obviously, the indoor season was 90% complete when it got started or when it got stopped. Um, and then there were some competitions, you know, in between there, be it athletes running at pro meets or, you know, uh, a, a few cross country races. So this will lean pretty heavily, Gordon, on the distance athletes who, for whatever reason, just had way more opportunities than the sprinters, the field event athletes um, or, or, you know, anyone else. Yeah, when looking at the list and looking back at what people did in indoors, no one did anything in outdoors and then what people did this fall. There wasn't many hurdling events or many shot put or weight throws going on going on in December or or November of this year, but we did have a bunch of cross country races, distance races. So like you said, it's gonna be it's gonna lean distance, you know. 
It is the flow track pod, but today it might be the flow long distance track pod, but that's okay. It's okay. We do have some honorable mentions though. I think we have a top eight list, but we have six mm-hmm. honorable mentions. And I think we should give a little love to some honorable mentions before we get into our top eight list. Okay. Uh, this is a combined men's and women's list. So for the record, so honorable mention on the women's side, we have Julian Alfred from Texas. She ran yep. 7.1 in the 60, which was good for number seven all time. Uh, I think she was just a sophomore. Uh, she's not from America. I think she's from – I figure where she's from. But like Caribbean. Caribbean nation, Cri- I think. Caribbean nation. I think. I, I, I need is to... good. St. Lucia. St. Lucia is where there she's There you from. go. Yeah. Uh, but she's, she's pretty young, too. She was only a sophomore last year. And she's going to be a big player – in this upcoming 2021 season, I was talking to another uh, top uh, collegiate coach and he was telling me, watch out for the Texas women. They're really good. They're going to be really good in 2021. They got the USC transfer Chanel Brissett. You have this Mm -hmm. sprinter here in Julian Alfred. You have other athletes who kind of were under the radar last year. So look out for Texas women, but she's an honorable mention. She ran 7.1 in the 60. We also have Tanya Marshall from LSU. She ran 7.86 in the 60 hurdles, which is number three all time. And then Olivia Groover of Washington in her fifth year of uh, pole vaulting. She was a transfer from – where she transfer from? Kentucky. Kentucky, that's it, yeah. Uh, she transferred from Kentucky, but she vaulted 4.7 meters. She actually competed at USA Indoors, took third. So Groover, Marshall, and Alfred were my female – Honorable mention. Honorable mentions. Yeah, it's a good list. I mean, you know, these would be people who would some of the some of whom would have been probably in contention for the Bowerman if a season would have run. You know, uh, you're right. Alfred and Marshall, I think, were potential breakout stars who really had their breakout stolen from them. Obviously, it was the pandemic. Everyone, every athlete had their season stolen from him. But you know. Uh, it's it's kind of cruel in that sense because it you know it felt like the momentum building for those athletes similar to ways like that it was for Shakari Richardson in 2019 and I'm not saying 1075 or anything like that but in, in any case you know we'll see what those athletes can bring but yeah honorable mention simply because they just didn't really compete after after indoors because there weren't that those opportunities yeah so are we gonna start eight and go to one or how do you want to do this for our well we the there's list? there's three honorable mentions on the men's side so we're gonna we're gonna ah, list those off the yes <laughs> just keep jumping the gun uh, okay yeah. yeah go ahead on the on the men's side we're gonna have uh trey cunningham who from florida state kind of was being in florida and being good at the same time as grant holloway uh got overlooked overshadowed but now that he's in the NCAA by himself, uh, he put down a good mark. He ran 751, which is number seven all time. Very good for Trey. He probably would have won indoors, maybe won outdoors. Uh, Gleb Duduvre. I don't know. Is that how you say it? Duduvre? Duderev. Duderev. Great name, I Gleb. Know. I should yeah. my child. Gleb Mac. That'll be great. Yeah, but you don't have Gleb uh, Mac. Yeah, I like Club Mac. I like that Club Mac. Um, but he uh, from Kansas. He was the fifth man ever to throw a weight throw over 80, 80 feet. So number five all time throws a weight throw eighty feet. He probably would have won the weight and the hammer, and 
like you said, been in the Bowerman conversation. And then Johannes Erm of Georgia, he uh, had a top 11 mark in the heptathlete. Georgia, you know, heptath, pentath, decath, heptath, U. Um, multis. <laughs> multis U, yeah, I guess that's a shorter way to say it. Uh, but yeah. he was good. Um, you got to give a little love for that. There are also some like like the LS, Javon Harrison, a really good long and yeah. high jumper. Um, there are some other good guys that kind of just – they just didn't have a, a NCA title to their name. We're kind of to like give them any love yet, but there's a really good crop of younger field event athletes coming, especially in the NCA, because um, a lot of these field event athletes aren't going pro early. So mm-hmm. 2021 and 2022, we should see a lot of good like horizontal and vertical jumps, which would be exciting. Yeah, that would be cool um, because. Y- you know, just the, the stuff on the track has been so good. It's always good, but, you know, it'd be cool to see those those events get their share as well. And, you know, last year, if any field event got attention, it was obviously the men's pole vault when Mono DePlantis and Nielsen were, were there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be excited to see what those guys bring when they come back. Uh, not everyone, not every star has gone pro early. So, um, we will eagerly anticipate the indoor season. All right, now I'm done jumping the gun are we for our for our official list are we going to go eight to one i mean probably don't want to start with one that would be okay oh yeah okay okay so anticipation we want people to yeah listen to the whole pod you know give the best last um okay so number number eight we have pens nia akins who has gone professional signed with the brooks beast i think it was the first signing i mean her hers was like way back in i don't know may or something it seems like a long time ago uh, during the indoor season, she ran two flat 71 in Boston, 0.02 off the collegiate record. And it looks like here you also have a, she ran a 127.600. She felt like, I mean, she was going to be the huge NCAA favorite indoors and out, um, second, both dis- indoors and out in 2019. Um, yeah, just a hair off a collegiate record. That's good enough to make this list for sure. Yeah, she if she could have kept that momentum going, she probably would have gone into the Olympic trials with two NCAA titles under her belt, probably had run 159 by then, and she would have been like, hey, I can make this final and see what happens at the trials. Now she has another yep. year of training, but kind of training, on, training under the radar. No one's really talking about her because she's not in the NCAA system, and I guess no one is – she's not out there running fast 800s during the year of 2020. So – We'll see what type of Aikens are we going to get. Are we going to get – is she going to come out of the – on the starting line, start running 201s, 202s, or is she going to come right away and be a two-flat 159 woman right away? Mm -hmm. Uh, She's a two-flat 159 in March of 2021. That's a good sign for her chances at the Olympic trials. So, knee Aikens, number eight. Yeah. Yeah. You okay with that ranking so far? Yeah, I am. I mean, you look at the names above her and it's it's a pretty stacked list. I'll take issue with some of the other order here, but um okay. for now I'm I'm satisfied with where Aikens goes. I mean, she just didn't have the opportunities. I know she competed in some of the like the friendlies or whatever and didn't, you know, didn't jump off the page on any of those. But, you know, moving across the country for, pro for the first time, probably new training system, you know. She's 2021 will be her where we'll see what she's made of in the pro scene. Yeah, number seven, another female athlete, Whitney Orton, 
Um, kind of another one of those athletes, similar to like the field event athletes, who had hasn't been given an opportunity to really get that championship performance. She had an incredible slash. I call it a slash. It's like a baseball, basketball. Uh, but right. she ran a 429 mile, 849 3K, 1522 5K. So it's a really good range right there from the mile to 5K. Um, so she was ready to roll. She was part of that DMR squad that probably would have been the favorites to win yeah. if she was the anchor for DMR. Um, but obviously she didn't have a indoor season championship. During COVID, she went on to break the world record in the basketball dribbling mile, which of course is a big deal. And she easily won the OSU invite. Wasn't against any good competition at the time. It's not like she was going up against Kaladi or Danny Jones or anyone like that. But uh, still impressive. She showed she was clearly better than everyone else. And that slash, 429, 849, 1522. I mean, that's good enough to be a, a top-tier yeah. NCAA athlete of 2020. Yeah, not just... Not just a uh, drib- basketball dribbling mile world record, but she ran 4.58 while dribbling a basketball. That's pretty tough. The times that have been coming out of these basketball miles are impressive. I mean, I know you can kind of toss the ball in front of you, but I, I don't know. I was impressed by that. And I, this will be my first one where I kind of take issue with. I tend to think the, so the, the female athletes, besides Aikens, the female athletes on this list, I would have swapped them. And I won't list who's, I won't tell who's, uh, who you have number four here, but I think Orton deserved a little more credit than than number seven. I would have put her higher on this list. Um, I don't. I don't want to give away who we have because we're 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 keeping the secretive. No spoilers. Okay. Why did you have Orton where she did where she was on you know seventh on this list, given all that she accomplished here? Um, you know why? why uh, so I low, mean. I how about this? We'll wait. I'll discuss why when you talk about the other athlete you're debating should have been higher for, and then I can tell you why. So we'll wait till we get to number four. Fair enough. And then you can debate me about the merits of my ranking that I did, uh, that I spent hours and hours painstakingly combing through (laughs) decimal points, the the ratings of every performance, altitude, flat track, banked, Uh time of day, Uh time of week, time of year, you know? Yeah. No, totally. But we'll get into it. I, I think you might also disagree with number six. If I'm, if I'm, I feel like you're going to want number six to be higher as well. well yeah, there's number some, six. Yeah, number six. Go we're ahead. going Cooper Tier. Cooper Tier, who, for an Oregon athlete, had one of the quietest, most impressive season for an Oregon athlete, I think, of all time. And it's all yeah. because there was no championship race for him to like be like the poster boy for, but like. When you actually look into the numbers, and I did, his 2020 season, you could say, is up there for one that, if you take away NCAA championship performances, you could argue that Cooper Tier probably had one of the best, a top five Oregon athlete performance in a season. Whoa. If you take away wow. NCAA take championship away the NCAAs, but yeah. You take away NCAAs because – he didn't have an opportunity to run indoors, outdoors, or cross country in 2020. But he runs 13-17 in the 5K, which is the second fastest Oregon time all time. He's the anchor for the collegiate record in the DMR, 924. Yeah. And then he also runs a 355 mile and a 746 3K. Yeah. Those four performances, I don't know. Like, 
Chesarek wasn't anchoring a DMR collegiate record. Chesarek wasn't running 13-17 in the 5K. I mean, mm. wow. Rupp this wasn't doing that. Here. I mean, if you think about it, again, take away NCAAs. He actually had a, like one of the all-time best regular seasons of any Oregon athlete, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know as well as anyone that the collegiate record was is obviously dependent a lot <clears throat> on your teammates. It's not like I think he anchored in 355 for 1600. It's not like Chesarek couldn't have done that. So that was just teammates dependent. I mean, Chesarek anchored I think in 350 or 352 before. Um, no, it was, it was it was great. Obviously, you know, it sounds ridiculous when you say, well, you take out NCAA championships. You can't really compare Cooper Tier to Steve Prefontaine, Galen Rupp, Edward Chesarek without any NCAA championships through no fault of Cooper Tears. It was a great season. I do think he's a little low on this list. You know, way back in 2019, I, I got high on no, – I got high on? No. I was high on Cooper Tear, not not through any illicit drug use, just, for, you know, just high on his stock. Uh, and then I got burned because he got like 22nd at NCAA Outdoors in the 5,000. It was just like a non-factor. So I kind of cooled on him, and then he got, I think, top 10, top 15 at, at cross, and, the, and then indoor season struck, and he was on fire. And you're right, he was definitely uh, you know one of the most impacted athletes. He may have gotten an NCAA title, although that would have been tough, obviously. Um, he's, he's fantastic. You know, been slightly overshadowed, because there's a guy who we'll talk about in a little bit who's been a little bit better. And, you know, he, even though he, he's run fast in the mile, he's not really a miler. Um, so... He's just not the best at everything he at all the things he does well in the NCAA, but he's definitely like right there. And and you know, if someone said, "Oh, Cooper Tier is going to win an NCAA title," that's not like I would think think that's crazy. He's he's right there, and it it is it's weird to be like, yeah, Cooper Tier is like ascending the Oregon all time list, and it's unfair because he's hit his peak right when there's been no NCAA championships. So in a way we're not going to ever really see what he can do as you know, if he could have become like, if this sounds almost crazy, but like if he could have become an all-time Oregon, great. Like we're, we're just, we're not seeing that yet because his junior season or whatever was lost to the pandemic. So we'll see what comes for him. Uh, it, you know, it, it, I, I think there's a real good shot. He, in 2021, he gets an instantly title. So, cause he's been, yeah, quietly under the radar. Very, very good. And you know, a step here, a step there. He could have won this that the uh, the track meet five thousand over over our number one athlete. So <clears throat> it's been a real strong. Hey, dude, why, why'd you do that? Why'd you have to give away who our number one athlete like there? I, I didn't say the name. Okay, yeah, but you can edit how that many out. people are running at the track meet and winning it? You kind of can narrow it down. Anyway, Sorry. Sorry. <clears throat> don't pretend you didn't hear what Lincoln just said. Yeah, just, uh, just number five. Number five on the list is an athlete who I think is a reason why Cooper Tier is six is because we would assume this athlete would beat Cooper Tier in an anchoring oh. of a DMR in an open mile or three K. And that's, that's a rationale. Use. That's is a that rationale. The, is that because, the rationale for? Yeah, go ahead. That's my rationale. So Yer Nagus, he ran three fifty five in a mile. He soloed a seven forty six. Okay, this is all during indoors. Uh, then he. He was part of the DMR that qualified. So it wasn't a collegiate record DMR, but he was anchoring it. And then cross country, he goes in and wins ACCs, shows that he has that range, go up to the 8K. Um, I think he was like 
41st or 40 or 40th, somewhere around then mm-hmm. at Cross in 2019. And then he goes on to win the ACCs in 2020. Uh, shows that he's definitely improved his range. And I think a lot – I mean, maybe a lot of people, myself, Kevin, I'm not sure about you, but I think Yared is a dark horse. Not just a dark horse, but maybe sneakily – like I can see him getting third at the Olympic trials in the 1500. Oh. And, if, and if I think that's possible, I'm definitely going to rank him as a top five NCAA athlete of 2020. So uh, Yared Nagus wow. is number five. It's it's easy for some reason, maybe just so much has happened, to forget, though, that he won the NCAA – 1500 title in 2019 it's just it feels easy to underrate him i think it's because i don't maybe it's because he's run so many dmrs over the years he's pretty humble and and he hasn't been a superstar in cross country i'm sure that's part of the thing as well but man this guy is so so good in the 15 mile and 3k and you know he can go past that as he showed in cross country accs you know winning accs is not winning pac 12s but it's still a pretty big deal and uh it's a tough argument I, I i don't know i think i would have swapped tier for him here but you know maybe some of that is just that we underrate you know c- consistently underrate yard and goose and maybe the tiebreaker you know the argument could be the tiebreaker was who has an instantly title and that's yard and goose he has multiple so um i guess it's a fair it's a fair argument but you know i thought tier maybe did a little bit more because because Nagus, you know, wasn't on the track. He didn't run at the track meet, but I guess, you know, Tier didn't run in cross country either. So, you know, it was a coin flip, I guess. I yeah. talked myself into saying I mean, that was a coin flip. Nagus didn't have the opportunity, though, to like do a time trial mile the way Tier had the opportunity to do a time trial thir- uh, 5K, you know? So I think that's kind of why. Um, there was no like setups for fast 1500s in November and December the way there were for 5Ks and 10Ks. Um, for Cooper Tier. Uh, but yeah, I think Jared, his talent is his racing speed, not his time trial performances. Mm. So therefore, you can't, on paper, it's kind of hard to show how good he is because he ran indoor just to qualify for NCAAs, right? So like he wasn't trying to run 349 mile. He was just like, all right, 355, I'm in, 746, I'm in, you know, win an ACC yeah. cross country title check i don't need to win it by 50 seconds so yeah uh fair enough yeah all right lincoln coming in at number four this is where we had the most controversy i guess based on your opinion and mine i went with danny jones okay now obviously she's pro now she actually just announced uh that she is signed officially with new balance she announced it on instagram a few days ago uh it's kind of funny we kind of already knew that like eight months yeah, ago like when you joined Cobalt felt like group, that was but- obvious yeah. It's official, official now, you know? It's official, official. Anyway, uh, and this is why I have her four. She has a slash of 204, 800, 427 mile, 15, 17, 5K. She didn't even bother to run a 3K, but she definitely would have ran a low 850s, high 840s. Who runs 204 in the 800 and 15, 17 in the 5K in college? You don't even, you don't see Raven Rogers or... Nia Aikens or Aji Wilson running in the 5K. You don't see Carissa Schwab. I mean, outside of Bowerman women, like, you know, a Shelby Houlihan who's still called Shelbo 800 but can run the collegiate record in the 5K. Danny Jones is basically doing what the what the Bowerman Track Club women are doing, right? Running mm. 800 to 5Ks. Uh, 
And I just think you don't see this from, you know, a college kid. And to do it, she could have qualified if she ran 3K. She would have had a top 16 mark in four different events from 800 to 5K. Could have been five if they just threw her in a DMR. Like, her range was just incredible, and that's why I put her at four. It, it was. I mean, for one, you can't – I don't want to take anything away from her. You know, and one of the biggest storylines of the indoor championships that never happened was, you know, she was going to run the mile and the and the 800, which was a double that we've hardly ever seen. I mean, it's just super, super rare. And she had the skill set to possibly, ch- you know, have a breakout in the 800 and maybe run 201 and challenge Aikens for the title. We never know. But a lot of what you're saying and why I think she's been lower is hypothetical. I mean, she never ran a 3K. We can assume what she would run. Yeah, I, I assume she could run 849 at sea level or whatever, you know, whatever Orton ran. But she did. She didn't, and uh, you know Orton has a little has the cross country edge. I know Jones was a pro at that point, but you know Jones only had the indoor season in in 2020, and I don't think your times are that far ahead of what Orton did that you can put her three four spots three spots I guess ahead of her. I I, I just think that the male athletes that we mentioned below her were superior in just on what they they showed. Yes. 204 is great for a 1517 runner, but I think if you put Orton in a in an 800, she's going to run something comparable too as a good 1500 meter runner. It, it was impressive, but I didn't think that it was so impressive that she deserved to be ahead of Nagus and and Cooper Tier. Um, I, I I don't know. I I I felt that 204 was kind of. I know it was run at altitude, so you could probably convert it down a little bit, but. I thought it was right in line with what I would have expected. I don't think it was, it wasn't a 201. Like it wasn't something absurd like that, that <clears throat> indicated that she could be world-class at 800. It was just like, oh, that's what a good 1500 meter runner can run in an 800, what a good 5,000 meter runner can run. So, you know, <clears throat> this would obviously have been different if there would have been NCAAs. I assume she would have won the mile and, you know, gotten second in the eight. And then maybe I could have heard it a little bit, but you're relying a little bit on, too much on hypotheticals. We don't know what she would have done in the in the in the three K. I just think Orton was a little bit better, had more performances, and definitely the guys that we've mentioned, I think, would deserve to be a little bit above uh, Jones. And I understand Jones left the NCAA after the indoor season, but still, I, I don't. It wasn't I, so impressive. I don't think she's top four impressive this year. I, I disagree, and the reason why, like, I get it. Two hundred four is not in a vacuum is not impressive. But you don't see someone run 204 and 15, 17 in college in the same indoor season. You just don't do that. Who's yeah. trained like I and that's I just think it's because it was a regular season that has never been done. Yeah. And that, I mean that's my I mean yeah. you're right. She she's the NCAA cross country champion running an eight hundred. Like sure, that's like Lopez Lemong type stuff, right? Like where he was top ten and cross, and then running the eight hundred. You know, yeah. you just don't see that. And I think I, yes, it's not two hundred one, but the fact that she ran a top sixteen mark, and she's defending cross country champion, it's just or two from two years ago. I just thought that was so unique that it had to be ranked. Yeah, maybe I should have ranked her eighth. But I ranked her fourth. And well, not eight. I think final, just right man. there with Rankings for finals. She's deal a package with deal with Horton, right? She's packaged. Okay. Yeah. We, <clears throat> we can move along um, or move on, I guess. 
you know, Jones there, fantastic well, can, athlete. Multiple I'm gonna grab a, I'm gonna I have to grab a charger for my computer, but you can uh, start talking about number three. Okay. All right. So number three, we have Gordon's favorite. <clears throat> As I clear my throat, <clears throat> Iowa State's Wesley Kiptu, newcomer to well, relative newcomer to the NCAA level, a junior college transfer. He came on the scene <clears throat> and has been tearing it up since cross country. Won every cross country race. Dominated Big Twelves. <clears throat> Sorry, folks. Clear my throat. <clears throat> and he proceeds to run twenty-seven thirty-seven at the track meet. One of the best 10,000s in NCAA history, although it won't officially count. Uh, Kip2 is probably going to be the NCAA cross-country favorite when we come back to Stillwater in March. And for a guy without much experience, the the fact that he has already put his reputation to that level says a lot. Everyone that knows stuff about <clears throat> you know <clears throat> how good of an athlete it, it's required to compete at the you know, to win NCAA titles says that Kip2 is is the absolute real deal. And I'll welcome Gordon back as he uh, will hopefully let us know more about why you put Kip2 number three. Now, I noticed you had his 751, you had his 1343. He's faster than those times, but he also ran those at the junior college level. So you can't necessarily put that on his NCAA resume because he ran that at the junior uh-huh. college level. <clears throat> it's collegiate. He was in college. Okay. Ooh, collegiate. Sorry. It's college. These are. Should we update the the ticker to say best collegiate athletes of 2020 instead of NCAA okay, athletes? Fair enough. All right. Why? Why can't you do this? High? I mean, I think it's purely based off of what he did in the cross country. He was dominating people by. He was just like it wasn't even close. He was dominating Isai Rodriguez, who was fit in shape and probably a top five yeah. type runner in cross country and he was just smoking him like he was nothing and coaches were taking notice and they were like, yeah, he's the real deal. Like you said, one big twelves. And then the 27, 37, like just put a stamp on it that yes, he is the real deal. It was just outside of top 10 all time. And I mean, he is going, he's like a Lolly Lalang, Kennedy Kathuka type athlete. I think that we're going to see in the NCAA for these next two seasons. Um, so it's going to be hard to beat him in the five and the 10 and in cross country. I think if, if he's running, I'll be interested to see what he does this indoor season. Does he try to double do like an indoor 5k then cross country? Does he only focus on cross, but he's going to collect a lot of NCAA titles in his two years at Iowa state. I do think it's going to be interesting, especially outdoor season because Edwin Kerr got, is returning for outdoors. So Iowa State Whoa. is going to have a legitimate one-two punch in the five and the 10 at outdoors. They do have some good, you know, 800-meter guys. I think they have one or two throwers. But, like, I could see them going 18 points, 18 points, having, like, a Cheserek Jenkins-type performance in the five and the 10. Now, obviously, Grijalva and Nagus and Tier, those types will potentially break it up. But, yeah, man. I think he he. I didn't want to rank him eighth or seventh because he's new. I was like, this guy's so good. We'll look back and we'll be like, why do we rank him eighth? He's like, gonna he's destroy won. everyone. But he's gonna yeah. destroy everyone in twenty twenty one. It's just it's what's gonna yeah. happen, especially in the ten k, five k, maybe not because it could become a kicker's race. But man, he he's he's good. So that's why we ranked him third. 
He is. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think you mentioned Grijalva and, you know, tears still there. <clears throat> I think the fact that those guys have big NCAA race experience, uh, I do think that that's a legitimate, tangible factor that could impact the way the NCAA cross country championships are run. Is Kip to actually going to run like he's been running these smaller races and big 12s and just go out and challenge anybody to chase him. <clears throat> that's tough to do. I mean, that you have to be like a Lowy Lang or a Kennedy Kathuka of, you know, of that type of mind to do that in cross country. Um, and it's bold. Uh, I agree. I, you know, this will be where this is kind of an, an investment in the future where you're like, he doesn't maybe deserve to be third, but the, what we've seen so far has been so good that when we look back, after he's collected all NCAA titles by years in 2021, that it's like, okay, that's that's why he was. This is kind of a, a bet on the future because it does appear, you know, Dave Smith told you he's like the real deal, legit. And, you know, I think it says something about his ability when he runs 27-37 and you're like, oh, okay, that's fair. That's fine. I mean, any other time a college athlete running 27-30 something in the 10K is otherworldly, you know, that's like, you know, obviously Cesarek never ran a fast one, but that's like what Cesarek would have been capable of. Maybe not even that fast in, in college. Like that's how good this guy is right now. And we've never seen him in an NCAA championships, but the potential is just, is crazy. Yeah. Keeping with right. the WK initials. Number two. <laughs> is I'm going to take Kalani. issue with this one too. I'm going to take issue here. What did okay. she do? What did she, she do? She ran 31.10. She ran 31.10. As a pro. No, that can't. No. No. She was she college. She literally signed with Under before this race. She literally know, signed but like, in this situation, I counted, like, because of COVID, I counted everything. That, if you were in college in 2020 and you transferred allegiance to getting paid, it still counts on your 2020 resume. Well, then why is Tyler Day so not on why. this list? Why is Tyler Day? He ran 13-16 indoors or whatever it was. Well, because Tyler Day, I mean, the 13-16 indoors doesn't look that good when then a little bit later, Luis Garhalva and Cooper Tier run. You know, uh, Tyler Day didn't do anything after his indoor season. That's why. Okay. If Tyler Day, he, DN he DNF'd in the track meet. If Tyler Day would have had a good track meet performance, then I probably would have put him in there. But he kind of stopped after indoor. He didn't really okay. keep going. So, yeah, so Wayne Clyde, 31 10 Pro athletes who, you, who recently were NCAA athletes and are NCAA. Man, we are stretching this definition pretty well, far. I mean, we're, Mia Atkins is in there. Danny Jones I put in there. So, I think it's fair. Yeah, but I thought we were isolating their college performances. Okay, go ahead with Kaladi because no. even if we put, include the thirty-one ten, I mean, which is great, it would have been a collegiate record. But what else did she do? I mean, she didn't really run. I wrote she was likely to win the three k and five k. <laughs> the hypotheticals, love it. <clears throat> I mean, she didn't need to put anything fast down and indoor. She was just coming off of winning NCAA cross she ran her 5k qualifier in december 2019 so she didn't need to run a 5k again mm -hmm. and she was just cruising for bruising and she just was ready to roll just to uh highlight like, her actual 2020 as a collegiate athlete she ran a 438 mile now that was in albuquerque so whatever that converts down to probably 430 854 3k at the milrose games got seventh 
seventh was beat by well at least a yeah, couple in bunch of people at least a couple yeah, yeah. couple NCAA athletes former former NCAA athletes and then she ran a DMR in the Mountain West Indoor Champ so pretty thin on the NCAA competition but. I guess I'll allow it because, yeah, you're right. She would have been the favorite. I mean, you talk about NCAAs being in Albuquerque. I think she would have definitely been the favorite in the 5,000 at minimum. But um, I don't know. Wouldn't have been a guarantee. I would not have had Wayne Kalati this high. But I suppose her reputation precedes her. And You know what 3110 would have been, right? It would have been the NCAA record. I understand. I understand, but technically we have to, we have to, that will not go down as the collegiate record. She was in an Under Armour kit and obviously they weren't counting. I understand, but that's just the way this works. You know, it's just, I know, but like, just because the color of her, of her Jersey was different all of a sudden she was, she still had two years of eligibility left. It's not like it was like a fifth year. Oh, I'm out. She had two seasons. Like, she had two years of everything left. No, she would have. I have. Okay, if if she ran a New Mexico kit and ran thirty one ten, what would your take be? Uh, yeah, I, I th- it, it's totally different. But I mean, it's like it's akin to saying that you know what did you know Zion Williamson last year was the uh, college basketball player of the year. It just so happened that he was playing for the Pelicans. Like, I mean, it's it. I understand it's no, a little different because it, it was this quick little different. It's extremely it, different. I don't know if it's extremely. I mean, I anyways, yeah, it would have. I mean, first off, it wouldn't have counted as a collegiate record because it was run out of outside of a an official you know sanctioned season. Okay. But that's yeah, neither here nor there. Stupid. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm just letting you know. I mean, it's if we're trying to keep this keep this within the rules, we've we've we're playing out of bounds at this point. I just don't know. If 3110, yeah, if she would have actually run that, we could have said, oh, she deserves to be the NCAA athlete of the year. But as it was, it wasn't run in those things, and it wasn't even an official season, and she's professional. Sherry probably she said probably the phrase. cashed a paycheck by then. Her her student athleteness had been completely uh, compromised at this point. She's being paid if she, for her talent. How dare she? You just said the phrase if she would have actually ran 3110. She did run 3110. She didn't actually. It's not a hypothetical of whether or not she ran 3110. I don't know. This is tough. This is chicken, chicken or the egg type of a conversation here. This is, I understand she would have and could have run that fast. But I'm just saying. Cooper Tier didn't run for Oregon in his uh, track meet. He was unattached. Fair enough. So can we just pretend that didn't happen? It's all stupid okay. rules that just random committee people create. She is, she is, she ran eight seconds faster than Lisa Uhl's Iowa State's collegiate record. You're top two, in my opinion. Okay. All right. Fine. I'll, I'll, I'll yield. I'll yield the floor to you. You okay. can have that. All right. Yield, the good yield thing the is, I think we agree on number one because our number one athlete as performances, even interrupted by the pandemic, has performances in all three phases, indoor, outdoor, and cross-country, that make him the top athlete of the year. It's NAU's Luis Grijalva, who has been on a revenge tour since November of 2019. 
Uh, I'll read off his resume in 2020 that you've compiled here. January 2020, he runs a 13:29 5K, which is fine, but obviously he's overshadowed by Tyler Day. Well, start, hold on. Uh, his own before team. We, before we get it, start yeah, with what he did right before 2020 started. Oh well. So what was, okay, so he was 52nd at in at, at the cross country national championships, which was obviously uh, for a former All American was a underperformance was a disastrous day indicative of, you know, kind of NAU struggles as a team overall. Um, you know, he and Jordy Beamish's tough days really, you know, sank their ship. Um, so you do that and it kind of feels like he has two ways to go. One, it's kind of like he gets, he gets discouraged and, you know, it kind of fades back maybe. And, and who knows, you know, we see athletes all the time that they did, they, they underperform on the biggest level, the biggest race of their life, and you, they kind of fade away. He went the other way. He comes back in January 2020, you know, wanting, like I said, wanting revenge. He runs 13.29, 5K, fine. February, though, we start to see the Grijalva that we know and love today. 7.43, 3K, one of the best all time. Comes back in March right after NCAAs is canceled. Runs 4.02 at the, at the Dome in Flagstaff. Converts to like a 3.52, 3.53 mile. He's running angry and just just crushing people. October, several months pass. Beats Connor Manson cross country. Big deal. Asserts himself as a as a contender um, for the NCAA cross country title, which was just crazy for somebody who was in the fifties the year before. And then we get closer to the current days. Beats Drew Hunter in a three k seven forty two lowers that PR. And then the big one here three sixteen five k PB. It's fifth best NCAA history if it officially counted. He beats Tier, he beats Drew Hunter, and just, you know, he's been, he's fully realized at this point. He's, he's like running so confident. Everyone assumes he's going to win now any race he's in. It's just a whole different ballgame for Luis Grijalva in a year that most people have in all likelihood kind of taken a step back simply because there's been so little race opportunities. Now it's like, oh, Luis Grijalva hasn't won an NCAA title. It seems like he has because he's been so good this year. Albeit while being interrupted, uh, he's been on, just been on a roll. Yeah, it's been incredible. Just he, every performance, uh, like outdoes his previous performance. Like you said, thirteen twenty nine baseline, then he improves that with a incredible three k. Then he improves that incredible three k with an incredible mile at altitude. Then he improves that incredible mile at altitude by beating the top returner in cross country and Connor Mance. Then he improves that by beating Drew Hunter and lowering his 3K PB. And then he improves that by running a top five all-time 5K mark. So literally, he had uh, seven, six key performances, and each one was better than the previous one. So he just kept on getting better. So you got to imagine that. that, You got to imagine his 2021 should be incredible. It'll be interesting to see how Coach Smith handles him and what he does with them. Does he... Let him loose to run a couple indoor meets. Does he have him try to win a 5K or 3K or, or you know, mile indoors? Does he keep him fresh for cross? I mean, does he look at Wesley Kiptu as like, hey, maybe you're not going to beat Kiptu in, in a 10K and cross. No, you, you're more likely to just be a top five guy and maybe go all in and try to win the 5-3 double indoors or something like that. I don't know. It'll be interesting because – does, 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 what event does Grijalva have the best chance of winning an individual title? 
this in right March. now it's cross country 3k indoor 5k indoor which one? i mean i would say the three it, it depends on like is nagus going to run the three that that i mean i still think Grahal would be favored over him but you know i i guess i just oh just no other caveats i'd probably say the the three yeah but is him going all in on the three hurt his cross country performance well uh, i mean i i don't know if you go all in maybe you go all in on the five knowing it's the first day uh and then i guess we don't know if the schedules if it's going to be a three-day schedule i guess i assume the five would still be the first day um yeah it's five will be on a thursday yeah so i I, run the five and then come back on monday and run cross country i think that's what you do and kind of forget the 3k just because the schedule um but that's my opinion i mean he's run 13 16 it's not like he can't beat wesley kip two he can't beat well, he's proven he could beat Cooper Tier, you know. Um, so maybe that's what you do as you run the five and then cross country on Monday. Also, you got to think about this factor with these athletes going pro now. All of a sudden, you know, see Kaladi go pro. You saw Taylor Warner go pro. A couple others might be coming. Like, will Mike Smith be able to hold on to Grijalva? He still has him for like two more cross country seasons. Yeah. So, like, is he going to be able to hold on to him? Like, is NAU going to lose Grijalva because of his COVID performances? Like, you would you would know more than me. I, somebody emailed in and said that he's not an American citizen. He is an American citizen, right? I think he has dual citizenship. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, because if he was going to just rec- represent Guatemala, I'd say his pros prospects are probably not as high. But, you know, if he's gonna be american I, you know he's gonna he would be attractive for i think for for brands i i know I, I think this guy really wants to win a title i think he's gonna know i mean maybe if somebody blows him away with a deal but i i don't think any brands right now are in the business of blowing people away with deals um perhaps i think you know his best chance for something would, would come in june after ncaa outdoors so I, I think he's fine to wait i you know you win a couple titles his stock's gonna go way up um and and that makes the most sense to stay through through the outdoor season, I think. So I wouldn't worry oh, about I that. Think, I think he would go if if Grijalva has an incredible March weekend with cross and indoor, I could see him going pro a month later. They'll mm. be like, All right, you're the guy. We don't need don't stop with the NCAA nonsense. Get ready for the trials, <laughs> you know? Okay. And and well, be represent Adidas or under armor or whoever is throwing money around at that moment. Well, we shall see. I, of course I could see that. I mean, you know, people are going pro at any point. We got had people in the past go pro in the middle of the indoor season. So it, 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 it does happen. Um, you know, and obviously with all the stars in the NCAA kind of leaving, given that the, the uncertainty of the seasons, it, it wouldn't be a huge shocker, but I think for him, the way he's been going, the man on the mission that he is, I think NCAA titles are first and foremost in his mind right now. But money talks, obviously. We'll see what, what's out there after um, after kind of this indoor cross-country hybrid season. I just think it's wild that the man who finishes 52nd in cross-country goes on to be the Flow Track Athlete of the Year in 2020. Pretty good. It's Pretty just good. It's like, who would have thought? I mean, it makes sense because he, 52nd wasn't indicative of his ability because he was doing well during the regular season of cross. But it's kind of wild that, like, hey, like, just because one bad race doesn't define you and Luis Grijalva is a living, breathing 
uh, proof of that, that, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Things can get better. And as much as like, especially for NAU, like they had a chance to do something crazy during uh, indoors. We talked about looking at the form charts. Like they had, they had the bodies to potentially win the whole thing, not just podium. And they knew that. And, that opportunity be taken away. It's not like they're going to have that opportunity again with you know, new everything set up differently. Like it was a once in a lifetime team opportunity. So it sucks on that end, but I think he turned lemons into lemonade by going on and just having an incredible 2020 that will set him up for the rest of his, his career. Like he's now has built a resume that now he just needs to win maybe one NCAA title. And now he can be like, Hey, I have value and now he can get paid to run and getting paid to run is very hard to do. Like not many people mm-hmm. get paid to run. And if he's doing I know that, I know. more people get paid to play basketball, more people get paid to play football, but he's getting paid to run. That's unique. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming mm-hmm. he's going to get paid. And yeah, maybe so. if 2020 doesn't happen, he, he doesn't develop this, this resume, you know, wow. I mean, he probably would have still anyway, but Heck. Hey, there are some winners that come out of COVID. That's all I'm trying to say. Luis Cajalva is one of the yeah, winners. Yeah, not COVID so, exactly, but just the cancellations caused by COVID. Yes. I don't think anybody wins yeah. in COVID. But in any case, <clears throat> Grijalva, <clears throat> Athlete of the Year, makes sense. We'll see what he can do in early 2021. Excited to see a little bit down the road what he and the rest of our athletes, at least the ones still in the NCAA, can do. As I just try to clear my throat for the 90th time. <clears throat> Sorry, folks. It's just always <laughs> delightful on this show. All right, we'll call it there. Uh, our NCAA Best Athletes of the Year pod for 2020. We will uh, catch you uh, down the road a little bit later this week.